0: Today on the ZabeCast, the Browns are going to Browns, y'all. A former walk-on as the number one pick, a flag-planting, crotch-grabbing, cop-running quarterback. Is he really your savior? The NFL Draft Night 1, recap and react. Andy Poland joins us today. Unique look at the Mike Francesa WFAN debacle. And all of that, and is there jello pudding in prison If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Here we go! And that was the scene last night. Hello and happy Friday, April 27, 2018. Roger Goodell getting his ass booed into oblivion last night. Welcome to the ZabeCast. So much went down last night. More will go down tonight. And we'll try to run through it as quick as we can before we get to Andy Poland today and some other stories. Baker Mayfield is the guy. Well, guess what? Shut my mouth. I was as wrong as as rain I thought no way Cleveland's taken him this is a gambit to get the Jets to move up no it was not a gambit and the Jets did not want to move up to go get Baker Mayfield the Browns apparently liked him all along a well-kept secret let me give the Browns credit for this they kept a good secret they kept it under wraps up until just about the last 24 to 48 hours before the draft so If nothing else, give him credit for that. I just, I do not like Baker Mayfield. I do not like him. I do not like him with green eggs and ham. I just, I'm sorry. And you don't need to try to convince me. We're going to see. We're going to see it play out in front of our eyes. I don't like his attitude. He rubs me the wrong way. And I just don't see it as a guy who's going to be good in the NFL. I do see him a lot like Johnny Manziel 2.0, but minus the drug problem and minus perhaps some of the worst behaviors. A little touch of Johnny's attitude, but a lot of the whole same dynamic of who he is as a player. You know, a runaround guy, a make-plays guy, a charisma guy from a league, unlike the SEC where Manziel came. I mean, Manziel beat Alabama twice. At least he had that going for him. But you've got in... Baker Mayfield, a guy who plays in the league that regularly produces stat inflated professional frauds. So I am very dubious of that. Then the Browns took Denzel Ward, cornerback from Ohio State, who may be great. I don't know. He was a reach on most draft boards or on most mock drafts by about four to five picks. So yeah. Many said the Browns, of course, fucked this up again because they had the top four picks and they managed to not get a single top five player in the top four picks. Some are saying Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward were out of the top five in terms of the total prospects or the you know, best players in the draft. That's what the experts say. Hey, the Browns might have nailed it. Who knows? But it's... It's gonna raise the stakes. There, there is zero margin for error on anything that Baker Mayfield does. Period. Because of this, because it was the Browns. And speaking of corners, and you know the Browns trying things, you know they had supposedly the three toughest positions to fill, right? Our quarterback, left tackle, and corner. Well, the Browns nailed it on both left tackle Joe Thomas and corner in Joe Hayden for any number of years. The two Joes were holding down their business with the Browns at supposedly the second and third most difficult spot to fill in the field, lockdown corner and left tackle, and yet the Browns still sucked. For the record, I think the best quarterback, here's my order of how the quarterbacks I think will turn out in the long run in the NFL success-wise. I think the best will be Josh Rosen, although people are already starting to you know, roll their eyes At him saying at first he was pissed. He had to wait all the way until 10th. And that there's nine mistakes in front of me. Oh, fuck, for God's sakes. Really? So there's that attitude there, which, uh, you know, as far as Josh Rosen goes and being too smart, this this was the best thing I saw regarding the whole he's too smart. And how can you say a quarterback is too smart? Danny Cannell, former quarterback, now doing SiriusXM radio, tweeted out, can we get something straight? This whole teams don't like Josh Rosen because he's too smart thing. That's the dumbest, lamest take and couldn't be further from the truth. Teams are looking for smart quarterbacks. What they don't want is a smart ass quarterback. Ding, ding, ding. And that's what Josh Rosen comes off as just a little bit. Talking about, I want more rings than Tom Brady. This draft night, I was pissed, man. There was nine mistakes in front of me. Some people don't like that. Depends on whose mouth it's coming out of. I bet if Baker Mayfield said it, there'd be more pundits going, yeah, I like it. But out of Josh Rosen, doesn't seem to be as popular. So I think Rosen will be the best. He probably landed in the best spot as well to succeed. I think Josh Allen will be pretty good for Buffalo. A lot to be said for a big arm in a place where the weather is legendarily brutal. And having played Josh Allen uh, in a college environment that included 30-mile-an-hour winds and freezing cold and snow and everything else, couldn't be a more perfect fit than Buffalo. And so he lands there, despite the tweets that surfaced yesterday. Sam Darnold, again, I I don't see it on him. He looks like another USC bust to me. Does not, throw a ton of picks, and, and facially... I, He reminds me of like a Pixar character that is just one-dimensional. He looks like a walking embodiment of duh. And I'm not saying he's dumb. He just, he looks like a robot. He looks like a cartoon character. I don't know, when I look at Sam Darnold, I'm like, what are you thinking, bro? Do you have any expressions? And of course, it was great to find out that his great-grandfather, or grandfather, uh, was was one of the former Marlboro men. And they showed a picture of him. His grand granddad, Dick Hammer. How's that for a fucking great name? Dick Hammer. Marlboro Man. And Dick Hammer, in the photo they showed, has the squarest of square jaws. And those bloodlines carried through down all the way to Sam Darnold. I, I joked going into the draft, I'm like, I can't trust a guy who's, who's, whose head is that square. Whose face is that angular. Well, that was a joke, but... And now I know where he gets it from. He gets from from old Grandpappy Dick Hammer, a big time athlete himself and Marlboro man. Speaking of uh, back to Josh Allen or Josh Allen for a second, Troy Aikman said on Josh Allen quote: "I think as a quarterback, when you're inaccurate, from my experience as a player and studying these guys for the last 17 years, you usually do not overcome that." Okay, I don't know what Troy Aikman's study or his analysis is of the last 17 years of quarterbacks since he retired. My question on Josh Allen is this. Was he inaccurate or did he have a low completion percentage? Because that there's a big difference right there. There was a big difference in offensive schemes where they didn't throw a lot of screen passes at Wyoming. At uh, Louisville and at Oklahoma and at a lot of other schools, like you know Baker Mayfield, threw a lot of screens. Maybe as many as 10 per game. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but you're throwing the ball 50 times a game there. So if he's throwing 10 screens a game, I'd love to see a stat that backs out any throw that a civilian could make. Like, you and I, with modest athletic ability, on a quick screen, can drop back two steps and then flip it 10 feet to a running back, or five yards, whatever. I would back out all of those throws for both, for, for any quarterback prospect, and then stack up the rest of the throws after that. Because those are throws that almost like don't even count. Because anybody can make those. Those should not count when it comes to accuracy. I know, I should have done more research myself on Josh Allen. Well, maybe I'll do it now after the draft. There's, nothing, there's no rule against that. Show me a statistic or show me some film of actual accuracy, accuracy. And if he is inaccurate placing the ball because of fundamentals or arm motion or whatever, then that's fine. I just wanted to know, did he have a low completion percentage or was he actually inaccurate and how? So, and then I got Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Lamar Jackson with that Masters jacket suit was, boy, was that something. And he dropped all the way to the last pick of the first round, which actually was a trade with the Ravens and the Eagles. And the first thing I thought when the Ravens took him was, oh, snap. RG3 just got fucked again. I had to, I had to tweet a gif of Michael Scott just saying, no, I do not like this. No, no, this is bad. This is not good. <laughs> Poor RG3. They bring in Lamar Jackson to basically go, okay, yeah, you're going to be the guy. Lamar is going to basically ask RG3, uh, what should I not do that you did so I can maybe stick in this league? And then once RG3 is done in camp, they'll just say, thanks a lot. Uh, It was great. Good luck to you. Keep us posted. We'll follow you on Instagram. Unless they carry three quarterbacks, including both Lamar Jackson and RG3 behind Joe Flecku. That, to me, would be interesting, to say the least. Baker Mayfield, you knew there was going to be a great Mike Francesa take on Baker Mayfield that had been coughed up out of the woodwork, and this was that take from Francesa back in I don't know how far ago, but here it was. This was back in the fall.
1: This, this Baker Mayfield, and I know he pulled all these shenanigans this past weekend, but he's been pretty solid. What kind of fit do you think he might? He's be? He's not. Guy?
2: Listen, he's a system guy, uh, this is the old this is the old chicken and the egg. This is a system quarterback. Uh, he's definitely worthy of a look, but he's not a top of the draft guy. Martin Guilford, was that Martin? Hey. uh I am really, really impressed with this Oklahoma quarterback. He's not maybe as good as Donald, but he's really fun to watch. Yeah, he's a very good. But but and I and Martin, you're right, and he can win himself a uh, a Heisman Trophy, at least be in the in the mix. But he is a system quarterback. Uh, he is not on the level of some of these guys as far as pro prospects go. He is very much playing a system that is you know very much part and parcel of college football right now. With the first- 2018 NFL draft the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield he's definitely worthy of a look but he's not a top of the draft guy
0: now in fairness to Mushnik, or excuse, excuse me in fairness to uh, Francesa and by the way Phil Mushnick crushes him today in the New York Post um, in fairness to, to Francesa there was someone else as late as last fall who claimed that Mayfield was an undraftable guy, that he was an intriguing prospect. And this was somebody with some football credibility, not just Mike Francesa. But yeah, that was kind of funny. Ryan Shazier walked out on his own with a little bit of assistance from his new bride, fiancé bride, uh, wife, holding his hand. It was a powerful moment. It was an amazing moment. It was a bit sobering moment because... First time anyone had seen him walk, and by seeing some of the other snippets of him out uh, in, out and about in public and smiling, there was this thought that maybe he was even in better shape than he looked last night. He walked, but it was very difficult. But he walked, and that's important. Some are criticizing, as you'll hear Andy say in just a minute, the actual appearance because it's going to be called as sort of a you know, NFL whitewashing of the danger of the sport. I disagree, because I think that Ryan Chazier had targeted this night to say, you know what, I'm coming back, I'm coming all the way back, I'm going to play football again, and my first step is to be able to take steps and to walk out onto the stage at the draft and announce the Steelers pick. More on that with Andy in just a second. Tight end Hayden Hurst was a good story, the big redhead out of South Carolina going to the Ravens. He was a pitcher in college as well as a tight end who got Steve Blass disease and just couldn't put the ball over the plate, couldn't throw the ball to first base and lost his nerve and ended up you know focusing on football, and he got drafted in the first round. That was cool. Uh, how about the reaction in Riggins, Idaho, to Leighton Vander Esch being taken by the Dallas Cowboys? Leighton Vander Esch, who played eight-man football in high school, Because this town was so small. I saw an aerial photo of Riggins, Idaho. You're going to need to Google it. It's amazing. It's this tiny town on the most impossible bend in a river uh, with a giant mountain in between the little bend. It looks like something you would draw up uh, and make in a movie. Pretty amazing. Uh, Saquon Barkley's wife is totally hot. Not that I'm coveting his wife, but she just gave uh, birth to their first child. Mazel, mazel. Good things. People say, "Why don't I? Why don't you play as many sound bites?" Uh, mazel, Mazel, good go. things. I just forget, and also when I'm doing a one man show, it's harder for me to look, dial in, and set up a soundbite. Usually, I get those when a- when Scott is talking or when Andy was talking. So that's why I don't usually do as many here on the ZabeCast. But yeah, not only is his wife a smoke show, but apparently Saquon Barkley's agent, his agent is a smoke show. Her name is Kim Mialli. She works for Rock Nation. And you're going to need to Google her as well, Kim Miale, M-I-A-L-E. Good for her, though, Kim Miale. I'm sure she does a great job for her clients. And the Hokies, uh, the Hokies Terrell Edmonds became the first, well, the the, the Edmonds brothers, Terrell and Tremaine Edmonds, became the first brother combination to be picked in the first round of a single draft. As Terrell Edmonds, some say, um, or Tremaine Edmonds would have been a good Redskins, some say, Whereas Terrell Edmonds goes twenty eight to the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we caught up to Andy Poland today via FaceTime Audio. I apologized for a few glitches. It's not terrible, should be listenable, but it was the best I could do this week.
1: I mean what's the guy that Pittsburgh? Oh Ryan guy? Shazier. Shazir, yeah. yeah. Walking out, you know, Goodell G- 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 hailing him as as a as an inspiration.
0: Okay, yes. what is, uh, what is he supposed to do? By the way, Andy Paullan this morning via audio FaceTime. This is a new yes. uh, a new thing I'm trying here uh, Andy. Uh-huh. I, I would have tried to get to Andy in person, but our schedules didn't meet up this week, and I said, I can't not talk to Andy the day after <laughs> the draft. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Good. So so you didn't like Goodell pimping out Ryan Shazier as if to say, "See, he's walking like terribly." Yeah, well- you know, football's not evil.
1: It, it's it's more of like what lavero says what happens at the Super Bowl every year on Radio Row, where they trot out all these ex-players who've had problems with concussions and various injuries throughout their career. And he says, you know, it's kind of like being at a, a uh, tobacco convention where they're bringing out cancer victims. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and... So what are they supposed to do? I bet Ryan Shazier was working and working and working to the point where he would be able to walk out and announce a pick. That was maybe an intermediate goal. You're going to tell him, no, don't do this, because some people would say it's us spiking the football, so to speak?
1: No, but but look, I I watched part of, uh, during one of the Caps timeouts, I watched... Part of the Trey Wingo interview with uh, the big red ape, as you call him, the big spokes uh, ape.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the (laughs) redheaded spokes ape. Yes,
1: yeah, and you know he's pushing the old safe agenda, and you know not just in the NFL, but we're starting it in the Pee Wee leagues, of course. And and so here you had a player who obviously did the wrong thing—things that you're taught in Pee Wee league not to use your helmet that way and hopefully he'll be able to walk again fine he was walking with quite a limp last night oh yeah uh, and he's talking about playing in the NFL again i don't know whether that's realistic or not but do you, you know, think
0: that's is, realistic
1: i don't know <laughs> but uh, you know i hope that that physically he's he's able to uh, lead a pretty normal life right and and you you look at at the way they're pushing this agenda of safety and here's a guy who clearly did the wrong thing but by golly, he's working his way back, and the NFL is making its way towards being a safer product.
0: I totally, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, yeah. but I, I will ask again: What are they supposed to do? Not well, I, have Brian Shazir out there?
1: I wouldn't have done it. it, it, it just really? unless, it, unless he was walking, fine. I wouldn't have done it.
0: So just you know, sweep the bodies up. Don't ask any questions and let the show go on. Exactly. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, interesting. So we got ourselves another Alabama football player. It's like the only store we shopped from. Although I applaud the pick because supposedly he was the best big, mean, run-stuffing tackle available, and we need big dudes on the defensive line. What would you think of Paint Payne? Payne Look, the Redskins?
1: I, I never have a problem shopping at the Alabama store.
0: Uh, Even they, though Ryan Anderson last year has done nothing for us so far. Yeah, but okay.
1: by and large, you're, you're getting players who are competing against pros on a weekly basis. They're also getting best- also
0: getting guys who are supposedly beat up from yeah. really extreme Nick Saban practices, and some of whom have been there three or four years.
1: That's true, but he is only 20 years old. He's coming out as a junior, so he's not as uh, as worn down as some of the others. And here's <laughs> I was thinking about this last night, uh, and I, I put out a tweet uh, in this regard. Uh, you may not remember this movie. It's about 40 years old. It's called Same Time Next Year, and it's with <laughs> so, Alan Alda I saw and Ellen Burstyn. T-
0: I saw the tweet, and I go, oh, Jesus, I have no fucking idea what this movie is. But okay. Well,
1: look it up on IMDb. Okay. It was Alan Alda and Ellen Burstyn, who were big stars at the time. Alda was doing MASH, and Ellen Burstyn had been in uh, a number of movies, including One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Anyway, the uh, th- premise of the movie is they're both married to other people, and they meet at this resort once a year uh, and have an affair. Re-
0: they did a remake of that, I think, with um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. A twist yeah, on it. That. It was not called the same thing, but it was the same concept. One yeah. day a year. It's their cheat day. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I don't have the multiple televisions like you do, but I do have the last channel button. So I'm flipping back and forth between the caps and the draft. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's late April of 2018, the Capitals blow a 2 nothing lead and lose to Pittsburgh, and the Redskins <laughs> draft a lineman out of Alabama. And I go, well, you know, what's different from last year to this
2: year? <laughs>
0: Basically nothing is what nothing. it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So while we're on the draft, and we'll get to the caps in a second, and, of course, I'm going to put a quarter or two in Andy's jukebox on this whole Francesa back to FAN thing. Oi, oh. Gavolt, as you would say. <laughs> Read
1: Phil Mushnick. Oh, oh, my
0: God. Okay, has he written? Because I've been waiting, 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 and has he dropped one finally today?
1: Well, you know, everybody took their little jabs at Francesa, and, and then upstep
0: King Kong.
1: Yeah. Mushtick <laughs> says, step aside, right. fellas. I
0: kinda, <laughs> I, he's like, I got this. I almost <laughs> want to stop this interview right now and go read Mushtick because I've been yeah. waiting, sitting there with popcorn going, when's he going to write about it? When's he going to write about it? Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. So yeah. um, Goodell, gutless fucking weasel, the biggest loser ass pussy ever, you know, getting three cowboys up there. Still getting booed yeah. to oblivion <laughs> and then weekly trotting out the hey you're booing some cowboys line what yeah what a sack of shit. I can't hate him anymore. I don't I, think I can't
1: either uh let me tell you something having lived in Dallas for two years, there is no bigger star than Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach is is the is is Saint, God Saint, Saint stallback there. Yeah. So to, to hear booing with Staubach on the stage, I know Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls, but Roger Staubach is, you know, sunny times two yeah. there. Yeah, and, and, and to see the booing was, was unbelievable. And, and to make it seem like, Hey, it's a joke. No, it's not a joke. They think you're an idiot. Right. And unlike David Stern, who was disliked, he was not an idiot.
0: And, you know? and, and Stern was disliked, not hated. Roger yeah. Goodell is viscerally hated. And last night they said, sorry, Roger Staubach, that is. You guys yeah. are going to have to take some of this because we're throwing the verbal shit right at the, at the redheaded spokesape.
1: spokesape." Yeah, yeah. I, and, uh, you know, I, the, the setup last night was really <laughs> unique. And, and I'm thinking back to the days when they used to have the draft in a hotel in New York on a Tuesday morning. And here's Jerry World... Almost filled, it looked like. I mean, didn't see too too many empty seats.
0: They claimed over 100,000 inside and out. I have a hard time believing that, given that half of Jerry World was empty because the stage was in the middle of the field. and Maybe they had a bunch outside. Whatever the case, it is amazing how far and how much of a monster this event has become. Yeah, and they had, too, they
1: had sections for each team. I mean, I remember going to covering it. Yeah, they had yep. super
0: fans dressed up in all of their team gear. And right. as soon as a pick is made, some lineman nobody's ever heard of, yeah, they're screaming. My wife would walk in the room in the office last night and there'd be a pick and I'd just point to the TV going, look at this guy. And she'd just <laughs> laugh. She'd be like, yeah, big. that's really exciting.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I, I remember the days of, like, going to Radio City Music Hall, and then it was in the Marriott Marquis for a number of years, and whenever the Jets were making their pick, I'd always go over and stand with, with the Jets crowd, and they were, like, unique. Even the Giant fans wouldn't show up in New York for that. No, yeah, because the, Jets the Giant
0: fans are stockbrokers. Yeah, right. You know, they're and busy so, working. Jet fans are like, yeah, man, let's go down and cheer on the Jets draft pick, and they, they would let, like, what, 200 Jets fans in, basically?
1: Something yeah, like yeah, that. and. Uh, you know, and then, and then you see you see them like I think Warren Sapp was on the board, and they took Kyle Brady, the tight end, oh. and the instant reaction, like a guy. I was standing next to a guy, he goes, "Oh my God, they took the tight end, six and ten. That's what we're going to be, six, six and ten. 10 that's it."
0: <laughs> We've played the uh, the montage, the greatest montage ever, the ESPN montage of Jets draft picks, yeah. and I love it because they interview a guy back when they took Dan O'Brien instead of Dan Marino, or no, Ken O'Brien instead Ken of Dan Marino. Dan Marino yep. and the guy goes, well, obviously the Jets know something that uh, we we don't know ourselves because a, a, a Marino was available.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that 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 wasn't at the time ridiculous thinking because there were rumors that Dan Marino had a drug problem. I don't know how that got out there.
0: Really but it was rampant,
1: yeah. And and why because it was
0: nineteen eighty five and he was in, eighty three. eighty He was eighty three. He was in Miami or no? Well, he was no, no. He was in Pittsburgh.
1: Pittsburgh, yeah, but here, here's the thing. Uh, you remember, Daryl Green was the, the last pick in the first round. The second-to-last pick was Dan Marino by the Dolphins. Mel Kuyper was still putting out guides. He had yet to make his appearance on TV. The draft analyst for ESPN was Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman.
0: I played this bite yesterday.
1: Yeah, and Zimmerman said, clearly the Dolphins don't understand what they're doing here.
0: He he said, I don't know where he's going to get the right coaching down there because of the fact that, you know, they had Bill Arnsparger and he's like, ah, is he really a prototypical, uh, you know, Don Shula quarterback, whatever the fuck that meant.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So I think the realization after that year was, okay, Zimmerman watches pro football, but he doesn't scout these college guys. And that gave birth to Mel Kuyper in 1984, and the rest is history.
0: So you think Dr. Z's airball on, on, on that particular pick led to Mel?
1: I think it, it was helpful. Yeah, I, I really do.
0: Yeah. You're talking three networks now, Andy, that cover this. It spread over three days, and cities bid on hosting it in huge arenas or, like last year, on the steps of an outdoor building, and 80,000 people show up. Yeah. What, yeah. No question. Tell me why. Yeah. Tell me why that is. How is that even possible? What is that I, a sign of? I I guess it's
1: it's related to the fact that everybody wants something for free. Like the thought of you're getting something just because you choose it.
0: So, another, whereas, okay,
1: you know, you know what I mean. So, so like so these think, are.
0: So this is a this is a uh, a free player handout ceremony. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if we had if we had even even free agency, maybe maybe one day it will lead to this. The opening of free agency will have the same type of thing. But the fact that you okay, you are on the clock and you have this choice of thousands and thousands of players. Right. Who are you going to take? Right. And and there's that Christmas morning element to it as well. Okay, but so
0: but so why do people then show up and dress up? and actually make this such a huge attended event?
1: Because it's much like the caller to sports radio. The caller doesn't want to ask a question. The caller wants his own show. And and so these draft nicks, they want to be on television. They want they want to be even, part of the draft show.
0: Even though they are only most of them of the eighty thousand that show up are not going to be on television. They like to be there. Speaking of free, by the way, they do allow they allow people in for free. So that's yeah. people think they're getting some slice of the NFL for zero dollars. Yeah. Even though I bet Jerry, you know, charged for parking yesterday.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of you know it's a Woodstock element. You know, you're you're part of a happening and and, and tribal look, they,
0: thing. Dress up yeah. and you know. Yeah, hey, we went to the draft. It was a great time. Right. Oh yeah, what'd right. you do? We, well, we stood around and then we watched a uh, guy take Mike McGlinchey. Oh really? That was yeah. a good time, huh? <laughs> yeah, no. that was awesome.
1: And, and everybody becomes an expert too on the players. Oh, like they, for they, there was. Sake. Uh, oh I yeah. Think the Ringer did this: the oral history of of mock drafts. So. As you, as you listen, leading up, all these people who, who have never seen these guys play. I mean, everybody's seen Baker Mayfield play, okay? But to be honest with you, I, I can only remember a game or two of seeing Darnold and uh, and Josh Rosen, they played on the West Coast. They played late games. I don't watch those. Right. And 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 everybody's like, "Oh my God, I, what are they thinking? They're taking this guy." Nobody knows. Talk to me in, in five years,
0: you know. But you know what? Though people want to say with certainty, like when when Deron Payne was picked, and I said on Twitter, "Good pick. We need beefy dudes. Welcome to the Redskins." People, of course, were like, "Yeah, you should have taken Edmonds." Uh, from Virginia Tech, or he should have taken Derwin James from Florida State. Uh, You know, This guy tweeted me, zero pass rush in college, three career sacks, enjoy. And I'm like, oh, where was he on your board? Because every mock draft had Deron Payne as a first-round pick. So it's not like we picked some random dude out of nowhereville State, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Did you see, by the way, I I was watching at the beginning of the draft, Lewis Riddick, Said something that I had never heard about the Sean Taylor pick. Did you? Did you I respect- heard
0: that, and I saw your tweet. And he claimed Riddick, who was in the uh, Redskins front office at the time, that they were set on Kellen Winslow Jr. Yeah, until the last minute, and then the night before they decided, let's go ahead and or the day of, right? They decided let's take but, right Sean right.
1: Which really surprised me. Now, I know Winslow was really pissed because he thought he was going to be picked by the Redskins, and I guess they led him to believe that. Kay. Also, over the years, didn't Gibbs kind of indicate that Clinton Portis made the call on taking Sean Taylor?
0: You know, I, I don't care about this shit as much as you do because <laughs> this revisionist history is always going to shift like the Sands you know, I- on the beach. So it's like, I don't know. But what, well, what, but what is, is, what it, is significant it, if that's true?
1: Is, is it possible that Gibbs, while sitting in his NASCAR office, said, hold on, Sheila, hold that call. Clinton calls late. And he says, you really need to take Sean Taylor. And Gibbs goes, OK, we're going to take Sean Taylor.
0: Why would he have a preference for Taylor, though? Both were Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, but I think that Clinton may be recognized. You know, he played with both of them. He yeah. recognized who was the better player.
0: Well, I mean, it. Uh, other than the tragic ending, it worked out. It was the better pick. Yeah, so, yeah it no question. Yeah. All right, uh, Andy is joining us by FaceTime Audio this morning. Apologize for some of the glitches. I just could not physically get to him this week. We'll do better next week, we promise. Let's go ahead and uh, pivot to this Mike Francesa fiasco at WFAN in New York City where Andy Polin opened the shop, basically, at FAN back in 90, what was it? 87. 87, you were there, one of the first wave in. Tell me, Andy, what are your thoughts on how is this going to actually work out?
1: Well, I have never seen anything like this. There have been radio hosts who have returned to stations after absences, but I've never seen someone so reviled by the staff make a return. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, this and and even the program director from we well, you know i don't know for sure Mark but the various Cherno, things like
2: yeah Chris i read that he, he
1: he didn't want it to happen right so Francesca was able to go above them to the head of intercom, who just bought the place i mean intercom didn't take over the cds sessions until the first of the year and was able to get himself back on big footing the show that took its place that got what Three months, three months plus yeah. to prove itself.
0: Yeah, three um, months. Hey, you wasn't working. You weren't like number one by 10 percentage points. Sorry. Yeah. You're out.
1: Now, now, Francesca has always said on the air, I'm number one. I'll always be number one. Uh, they'll never unseat me. In his last book, even with this big farewell tour, which got all kinds of publicity, uh, he was number two in the last month. Right. So it's possible he comes back. And he's number two. Now you know this as well as anyone. What really sets the table is the advertising dollars. Sure. And I'm guessing that some of the advertisers who were convinced to stay on with this
0: new show said, went, "We're out in quarter number two unless things change."
1: Yeah. And so okay. they're 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 banging on the table saying, "You know, hey, you you promised us you were going to have the same impact, and you're not having it." So either get your boy back or work on someplace else. Okay, let me
0: flip it around, though. From the Francesa standpoint, how badly did he overestimate his value anywhere else besides in that chair on WFAN? Like, why did he leave in the first place? He's an idiot.
1: Well, from what I I don't know this, but things that I believe, uh, I believe that he was offered a, a pretty significant pay cut to stay. Really, and his ego, yeah, his ego wouldn't allow it. So he's okay, rather than accept the paper, I'm going to quote-unquote retire, thinking that once he's a free agent, he's on the open market, people are going to be throwing money at him. Well, perhaps he forgot to read the paper last April when ESPN laid off 100 people, and uh, and that there are a lot of openings that are not openings anymore. There are no jobs. And, uh, and, and a guy who was a bloated... Uh, self-important liar. I mean, he did fall asleep on the air. Right. I don't believe he knew that that Jerry World had a dome over it when he was saying the, the weather advantage favored the <laughs> Cowboys. I mean, it's a, a, I never, a liar right. of, of, of epic proportions. Yeah. And so people looked at him and said, you know, you're, you're a bloated joke at 64. We're not hiring you for a lot of money. So he who went did, back.
0: Who, who did he think – who was going to, like, who did he think, where, what, like, I don't even, you're right, like, who was going to hire him? Yeah. yeah ESPN? He thinking,
1: he's at ESPN, the NFL network. He, he just thought, you oh. know, and his, his, his football picks, which are always wrong, he thought, oh, somebody will want me for that. No, no, they don't. And people move on. And it's it's not the business that it used to be. So he and comes so-
0: he comes crawling back now. The staff yeah. hates him. There's already been the farewell tour. There's a certain percentage of his listeners that are like, okay, this guy's back now after I was all invested in his farewell tour. Fuck him. Is it going to work? Quote, unquote, work.
1: Well, what do you, what do you consider working? Now, here's, here's what you need to know about Don Imus. Don Imus really made the fan. He made that work because he brought in major advertising dollars. And the ratings that i had, even in the heyday of WFAN in the in the '90s, they were never yeah. that great. But the revenue was great. Yeah. And so Francesa, although he may not get to be number one, number again, one, his his rate his advertisers who have been loyal to him over the years may stay with him, and they may continue to get the results that they want. And uh, I've read where it's a five year deal, so he's planning on working till close to seventy? That's interesting. Uh yeah. but if that happens, then you know it's a win for the for the radio station and then they get the revenue and the ratings which everybody makes such a big deal about are not as important as people think.
0: And if uh if you're a young person looking to get into the business that you and I have made our career and they see something like this and they think about what if I was Chris Carlin, who left a good job in Philadelphia To come up to this new opportunity in New York City, and then this happens in four months. What does it say to young people thinking about jumping into the snake pit that is sports radio?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Good luck, right? uh... Know
0: know who you're dealing with, a bunch of fucking weasels, except for our current management at uh, the Team 980, (laughs) whom I, I, I love and are very professional. But I mean that's no, no. like that's a summary of it right there. These guys, and and at least I think in this case, the PD and the head of FAN wanted to move forward. They did not want to do a oh, U-turn, yeah. but Francesca was able to go over their heads and convince one person at the company to do this. Yeah, and yeah, then he, those guys he, got steamrolled. Yeah, they did,
1: and and you know, Francesa throughout the whole run with Chernoff, they butted heads. I mean, they they tolerated each other because it was good for business. Well, now Chernoff knows that there are tire tracks on his back from Francesa yeah, to get right. to, to get to where he wants to. I don't know how well that's going to work. On the other side of it, and as I said to you when this happened, this this idea of this afternoon show was never going to
0: work. No, you did predict that. You said this thing is a disaster.
1: Yeah, because look, Chris Carlin is fine. He he's a nice fella. He knows sports. He does very good radio nuts and bolts work. They add in an ex-jock who hated the media in Bart Scott who had already failed on CBS. And and said on the air a number of times, and I know this from working in New York for 5 years. You got to know baseball to work there. Yankees are the biggest deal there. Well, that's that's
0: he, Russo's big thing.
1: Yeah, you, you got to know baseball, and he would say on the air, "I really don't watch baseball." Pfft, that doesn't work.
0: He said and that. Wait, he said that on what air?
1: On on Fan.
0: Oh, really? He admitted it. Yeah. huh? Yeah,
1: okay. and they would sort of like teach him about it. That was never going to work.
0: Teach and him then, about. It. Well, there's three outs uh, per inning, and if yeah. you hit the ball in play, you're allowed to run as far as you want, but you might be caught off base.
1: Yeah. Now, th- th- then there's then there's the woman element, and Maggie Gray. Yeah, they have Maggie Gray, who knows sports. Fine. The fabulous sports babe, you could say, had a a little bit of success for a while, but never really sustained. In, In all your years in this business, I've been in radio for 40 years. You've been 30 years. Have you ever heard of a successful woman sports talk host?
0: No, and they'll say it's because you know, it's still an old sexist industry that there'll be one because look at all look at Doris Burke and look at uh, what's her name on the, the softball player on the Sunday night baseball and
1: <laughs> Oh, Jennifer, yeah, but that that they specialize in one sport. Here, here's the problem with women in sports talk radio. While most women will argue about the most nitpicky little things in the home, yeah. they're really not interested in diving into a full-on debate. About who should be the starting quarterback?
0: Just it, it just doesn't. You just don't think that's in their DNA. That's a guy's no. DNA to argue about that shit.
1: No, they will just say, well, he's better. He should play, but they won't go into the minutiae that we're willing to do. So I didn't think that that was ever going to really work.
0: Yeah, but she she didn't have to be the main driving arguer. She could have yeah. just been a complimentary piece.
1: But, yeah, but, but again, how many guys are tuning in at 4 o'clock thinking, what's Maggie Gray thinking about this trade?
0: I know, but I've always thought that a, a, a woman who knows her sports and has some attitude and some sass and is fun to be around would be a killer thing to have on a sports radio show. Like, right, but why she wouldn't doesn't you want have that? that. Every dude would be thinking, God, I wish that was my sports girlfriend, that chick on the radio. She sounds hot. She's not yeah. really that hot, but she sounds hot, and the fact she loves sports and is funny makes her even hotter. No. But it's, she, I she guess that's a be, hard position to find. She wanted
1: to be taken seriously, and also she had, I thought, an absolutely ridiculous take a few years ago. Which is- uh, while she was. Well, she was working for Sports Illustrated and doing some kind of a video podcast that that would run on their website and And she was talking about the Ray Rice situation. Oh God. and she I think she even wrote this. She said, well, you know, this is really making me rethink my career choice. why can why, sweetheart? you're you're not you're not involved in this. You're just covering it. I mean, <laughs> come
0: on. So in other words, something unpleasant happened. In a related field to mine. Therefore, I'm going to run away from my related field that I like doing? Like, yeah, like I'm thinking like career in, choice. Bad shit happens in every field of life.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, the domestic violence, which is now finally being reported among NFL players, has been going on for many years. It got swept under the carpet back in the 80s, but right. it was happening.
0: Right. Yeah, That that is pretty weak right there. I, th- I think the, fr- the problem, as you say, like she wants to be taken seriously – Andy, you and I have never given a shit about being taken seriously. Exactly. As guys, we're there. We know, like wrestlers, we're there to be thrown off the top (laughs) of a steel cage by a caller onto a table if it's good fucking radio. We're not hung up with, hey, man, you're disrespecting me or you're not taking my opinion seriously. (laughs) It's like, all right, get in the cage and let's start fighting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't care. You want to rip me on Twitter?
0: right. As I like to say, I've been called worse by better, so have at it. Okay, I don't know how much time we should spend on the Caps and the Wizards. The Uh, Capitals last night just pulled another one of these. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Losing a two-goal lead in about five minutes flat. Bing, bang, boom. 3-2 Penguins and losers. What do you have to say?
1: Well, uh, what I was saying, I, I didn't see the two quick goals because it was around the Redskins pick. Right? So, I was, you know, thinking, okay, when, what's going to happen Andy, here? When sludge. are you going to
0: get more than one TV? Now that you're moving, are you going to get yeah. a room with three small TVs in it? Not huge, just small. Well, can I help I, you out on that? Yeah, so I'll,
1: I'll see I, once we move.
0: Can I help consult you on your new man cave and your new place?
1: Well, you did consult on the first big screen I and? bought, so maybe I, I'll go back to that. Well, did I steer a-
0: you wrong on that?
1: It was four thousand dollars, and it oh, had a Jesus. bulb that had replaced for two hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> but now that you can buy them for a dollar and a half, maybe I, uh, I will. Is listen that to what
0: you speak. paid for your first one? It was
1: four grand, yeah, uh, with a discount too. We got it from the uh, was and, the guy. That... And how big was it? It was uh, sixty-one, I think. And what? Inches. What
0: year was it? Two thousand four. Rear projection DLP high definition. No, not
1: rear projection, but it no, had. a No, it bulb. was.
0: It was internal rear projection.
1: Oh, uh, okay. okay. That's why
0: those bulbs would shine a light up, and there was mirrors inside that box. It was yeah. a you know yeah. pretty slim box. But right. you were not high-definition at the time, and I kept... No, it was high-def. Called... No, no, it no. No, before you bought the TV.
1: Oh, no, no. I had a 25-inch Sony.
0: Right, and I kept urging you and begging you and pleading with you as yeah. an early adopter of high-def, and you finally bit the bullet, and once you had it, you were like... This is great. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, No question. All right. So, So Capitals. Here's
1: what I was thinking with with the disappearance of the two-goal lead. It's something that you always say. There's nothing more dangerous than the NFL than a six-point lead less than two minutes to go. Yep. And and that's with the Capitals. Once they get a two goal lead, look out, they're done. Yeah, yeah, something happened. Yeah. And uh, they work so hard for it. And Ovechkin gets a goal. Okay, and one more period, they just got to close it out. Boom, boom, Shakalaka! And look, the Penguins—they're used to doing it nine times in ten years yeah. to beat the Capitals in yeah. this round. Come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, Wizards. Any thoughts?
1: Um, Look, you know, they are a team built on three guys who are very, very good. Are they elite of the elite? Maybe Wall. Beal's very good. Otto Porter is, is good but brittle. And here they are going in as we tape this, as they go into game six, Otto Porter may not even play because of a boo-boo on his leg. So, you know, is, is this a contending team? No. Can they beat Toronto? Maybe. But John Wall also needs to learn something. When you have home court advantage, which you work hard for all year to get the number one seed, you don't have to win a game on the road. John. By the way, you don't. If if you're Toronto, right. you don't have to win on the road. You're you're incorrect on was, that. So, he,
0: said, <laughs> he was saying what the series doesn't begin until the road team wins a game.
1: No, he said in order to win this series, somebody's going to win on the road.
0: Oh, he said no, that, huh? No. no.
1: Yeah, no, oh, John. Shit. That's not oh, the way it works. That's that's why they call that well. home court advantage.
0: <laughs> he only he only went to Kentucky for one year. They would have covered yeah, that. They would have covered the dynamics of best of seven and home court advantage in year two at Kentucky. So understood. Go understood. Yeah. 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 Is uh, is yeah. Otto Porter going to become the next Jawan Howard? Just a nice guy, decent player, but overpriced grand piano that we cannot fucking move.
1: Well, Juwan Howard was paid to be John Wall, basically. Otto Porter doesn't have to be that.
0: But he's paid max dollars. Max dollars. Right,
1: right. He's, he's, He's paid to be a number three alpha dog and given his history with injuries and also his willingness to shrink. Like when Wall and Beal are hoisting up a lot of shots, he's fine with just running back and forth up and down the court without touching the ball. Well, you, I you said, want the ball?
0: I said last year, don't do it on this contract. And I was in the yeah. minority, minority, minority opinion. What are you talking about? I'm like, I know it seems like a step back at the time, which it will be a step back. But I'm telling you, too much money for a guy who's the third wheel. Yeah. Oh well. And brittle. All right, Andy. Uh, good to talk to you, my friend. We'll catch up in person at some creepy parking lot location next week. Sounds good, Jay. Thanks, Andy. All
1: right, talk to you later.
0: Bye. All right, we'll close with this. You know, we're all too reliant on text messages these days, and I'm guilty of this as well. We are a texting society. But I do hate it in many regards, and I try to avoid texting whenever possible. Because to me, what text messages say basically are, I don't want to talk to you. You don't deserve my time and my voice. And I'm not going to be accountable to you if we're having a particularly difficult discussion. I'm not accountable to you, not face-to-face, but because you're not. But I'm not going to be accountable to you voice-to-voice. I'm going to lob something at you over a wall via text, and you can just deal with it. And I'm going to be safe over here on my side of the wall. Even worse if you're not having a tough discussion or if you're not fighting with somebody via text is when somebody uh, just basically wants you to figure out what you need, something in business or life, without actually calling. They go, do this, that, or the other, and they lob that text over the wall, and if you don't have complete instructions or aren't allowed to follow up, you you have to text them three follow-ups. Yeah, well, what kind of butter do you want sweetheart. Uh, what store has it? Where do I go? Etc. Etc. It's just so inefficient sometimes, and I hate it. But here's the worst about texting, is when somebody decides they're going to share your text exchange, which is deemed, it was supposed to be private, they share it via a screen cap without your approval on social media. That is the worst. The worst. It just happened yesterday, uh, rather famously, Kanye who, as I'm sure you probably know, has been uh, rubbing up to Trump lately, apparently got a text from John Legend, fellow musician. And John Legend texted Kanye and basically said, you need to rethink this, his policies are bad for black people and others, and do this for your legacy. You don't want your legacy to be that you started wearing red MAGA hats and you sucked up to Trump. Basically, Kanye replied saying, "Uh, yeah, thanks for the text, but this is a typical tactic to sort of threaten me with the loss of my legacy just because I'm exercising my own independent thinking. Now, I agree with Kanye that that he's dead right about that, and that was a bad bit of persuasion by John Legend. But to share that text exchange? Boo! That is absolutely no. No, you cannot do that. It'd be fine if Kanye had said, or even texted, or even posted, you know, another musician reached out to me and said, my legacy was at risk for doing this, and I disagreed because look, this is just my own free thought, and my musical legacy is totally separate. That's fine, but keep the other musician separate. Keep him out of it. Keep him at least anonymous. You don't need to drag what is a personal discussion into the public sphere, and even worse, don't don't be printing screen caps on social media of text exchanges. Boo. That's another reason why you, even if you're not famous or not a small, low-level public figure like I am, you should never put into text anything that you go, hmm, if this was screen capped and then put on social media, would I be happy about it? Jerry Richardson is a Pervert. He's selling the uh, Carolina Panthers story by Jenny Vrentis, SI.com, in which the woman who came forward to say that he was creeping me the fuck out and was, you know, really sexually harassing me, she included some notes that Jerry Richardson had written to her that are completely and utterly fucking creepy. You can read the story at SI.com. Look for it. Uh, search for Jerry Richardson there. So he's selling the team he's getting out. And, yeah. Bill Cosby's going to jail, apparently, if he doesn't die before his appeals run out. And he's going to appeal these verdicts yesterday, or this verdict yesterday on these several charges. And he's 80 years old. He's not in the best of health. Uh, This is, wow. Bill Cosby's going to jail. All started only four years ago, when Hannibal Burris came out in a comedy routine and basically called Cosby a rapist. The first Cosby trial happened and was a hung jury prior to the Harvey Weinstein revelations and the Me Too movement. Post that guilty. And you know that Harvey has to be shitting bricks right now, thinking, oh no, they're coming for me. And speaking of coming for me, I guess someone's coming for Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw has been accused of sexual harassment by a former correspondent at NBC. Tom Brokaw. Just let that one soak in for a second. Good luck, Tom. That's all I can say. I don't know. I I, I saw a little bit of the accusations from the correspondent, whose name I now forget if I can think about it. Um, you know, she went on camera to talk about it. It was many, many Many years ago, Tom Brokaw's been married for a long time, and he is sort of like the most trusted guy in America. If this wave is going to take Tom Brokaw down, then it's going all the way to the top in Hollywood. It's going all the way to the top in in you know pop culture. It's going all the way to the top. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, come out now and just admit you were a creep and you sexually assaulted somebody or sexually harassed somebody. Because if they can claim, bra- I mean, look at Cosby the- Brokaw. What's next? What's next? All right, that'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and play this at full volume out your car window. Leave a positive review. Download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. And as Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.